This podcast is sponsored by Luke1977. If you fancy grabbing yourself any gear from Luke, don't forget to use the code MAX20, which gets you 20% off almost anything over there at Luke. They've just brought out some really nice new clothing, so go and check that out. Really, really worth it. And don't forget to use that code MAX20 for a 20% discount. Right, hello and welcome back to another Villa on Tour podcast. I am your host, Max Stokes, joined as ever by Simon Lyon. Simon, how are you, mate? You all good? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Just uh, a little bit disappointed about yesterday, but yeah, we'll get into it. But yeah, I'm not too bad. Yeah, I'm more disappointed about the fact you've woken me up at uh, nine o'clock on this bank holiday Monday to do the podcast, <laughs> but but that's okay. We've got to do it at some point. Um, yeah, like you said, we're fresh from that day up in Manchester. Villa fall into their first defeat in 10 games. Feels a little bit strange, doesn't it? Feels a little bit weird but we'll get on to that before we get on to our trip to Manchester please do go and check out the Villa on Tour video that was uploaded over the weekend of our trip up there subscribe to the channel as well over on YouTube subscribe to the podcast as well Spotify Apple whatever you are listening on please do subscribe so you never miss an episode so then let's get into it unfortunately like I said it was our first defeat in 10 games first time not scoring under Unai Emery as well it's not bad for six months in charge that is it and speaking of Emery this came out yesterday at the Maiders um, I think this was in uh, an interview from The Telegraph. Unai Emery wants accommodation to be built on the site at Bodimohi so we can spend even more time there. Like I said, that's from The Telegraph. What a bloke. What a bloke. Literally, just he is mental. He is mental. He loves football. He loves Villa. I just don't know why he can't like buy a house in like Sutton or something. Can he not just pop up around the corner? He's that obsessed. He wants accommodation at Bodymore. What a guy. He's total football obsessed, isn't he? Um, and um, yeah, he just, I think he he wants to put his all into ensuring that, that we as a club are successful. So yeah, you've got to admire him. He's quite quirky, isn't he? He's a very quirky sort of uh, fella. But um, yeah, it's the first time I've ever heard of a manager having accommodation built to the training ground for, uh, for the manager to stay. It sounds a bit... Sounds a bit wild, that does, but uh, yeah, fair play to him. Absolute workaholic, and uh, well, we know we're in good hands, really, don't we? Maybe that's what our season tickets are paying for. Maybe we're paying for this massive <laughs> villa hotel on the Bodymore site. I don't know, something like that. Some five-star, you know, like what they get in like, Dubai. Maybe there'll be like a water <laughs> yeah. park and stuff at Bodymore. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's what we're paying for, but we'll see. We've been to United a few times, haven't we? I think I've been there more than anywhere else. I don't know. We've been there a couple of times in the Cup, haven't we, since our last league mm. game there? It's a decent ground. There was protests going on yesterday, apparently. I think we arrived a little bit too late to see any of that. It's an okay ground, but it's just, it's very touristy, isn't it? You know what you're going to get when you go to Man United. Half and half scarce everywhere. Everybody's got them, uh, their opinions about them. It's it's not my favourite place to go in the world, is it, Old Trafford, really? Yeah, it's, well, it's, a, it's a typical top Premier League ground, isn't it, these days? I mean, I think the whole of the Premier League is becoming a little bit like it, but... Yeah, you get a lot of tourists at the game and stuff. And uh, as you say, half and half scarves and people with the phones out constantly, etc. And um, I don't know, I always quite enjoy going there to Old Trafford. I mean, they've never been very successful there. They've only won there, what, twice in the last... I don't 30 know, odd years, 30 isn't it? 30 odd yeah. years or something. Yeah, something like that. So... Never been a happy hunting ground for us, really. But uh, yeah, it's not a bad. It's not a bad one to get to. It's fairly close to us, really, from Birmingham. It's only what an hour and a half at the motorway. So yeah, just not a happy hunting ground. I wish we were more successful there, really. You'd think we would have been as well, especially mentioning those two cup games. I remember we should have been in both of them. I think the first one was a was it Danny Ings like offside or a foul in the build up of a free kick. We got denied like an equaliser or something. And then the second yeah. cup game, which is Emery's second game, it was Robin Olsen. Um, we were well in that game as well. Watkins, I remember scoring right in front of the away end. I think we took almost 8,000 fans that night also made a yep. couple of errors and again it's one of them where we should have got something again yesterday Premier League game 
you, you, again, you're probably thinking we should have taken something out of that game. And it's it's really frustrating because Man United have been excellent at home this season. I think the last time they lost there in the league was the opening game of the season against Brighton. So they had a brilliant, brilliant home record at Old Trafford. We've got a great away record. And on the face of it, after watching that game, you probably expected us to probably take something. Would you probably have said a point was fair after it? Um, possibly. I think I, know, I noticed the manager's um, post-match comments when he was talking about it. He felt like I'm the overall player of the game. Man United probably deserved to to get the narrow win. But he was he was talking about the um, the fine margins and he was talking about how, you know, in a game when it's 1-0, you expect to have you know, one or two or three little moments, you know, mm-hmm. in the opposing box where you could where you could sort of snatch a little bit of a maybe an unlikely draw or a bit of a bore draw, whatever you want to call it. Um and I think that's how the game was yesterday. I think Man United made it difficult for us. I think we I think we we struggled to really play the game that, you know, we like to do. Um we had to mix it up quite a bit yesterday and some of some of the our attacking play or some of our attacking players probably weren't on form either. Um, and I think that contributed to it. But we had a few moments in the second half. We were a lot better second half. And we had a few moments second half where, you know, a little bit of better decision-making or a little bit of better finishing, you know, could, could have got us away with a point. And um, I think the game was pretty poor overall. And I think if Villa had got a point, I don't think there'd be many people saying that mm. we really didn't deserve it. Because we weren't, we weren't terrible yesterday. But I just think that both teams were sort of bang average, really. And I don't, I don't think there was a lot in the game. I mean, on overall chances, you'd probably say Man United had more. You know, you would. Martinez made a, a couple of decent sort of saves. Um, Hit the bar as well. Yeah, they? yeah, they did. But as I suppose as a um, as a, the home team, though, you, you kind of accept them to have more, mm. don't you? You're never going to have that equal. Are you as a home and away team like that? It's not, it doesn't work like that, does it? A little bit disappointed we didn't, didn't come away with a draw. I think um, they're not great United, are they? They have obviously, they have spells in the game where they look really strong. But there, I was saying to you after the after the game yesterday, they're a million miles away from you know the top two or three in the yeah. league, aren't they? They're an absolute mile away from that. Yeah, I think it's a slight disappointment, but I think you have to take reality into it as well. They are very strong at home. Um, they've been great this season. And to be fair to Man U, they're having a decent season. Obviously, they won the League Cup. They're in the FA Cup final now, and they're in that top sort of four of the league. And I think... I think United fans will will be pretty happy with the first season that Ten Hag's had there. Really, um, I think the moment you lose, people are going to naturally going to feel a little bit disappointed, aren't they? I think we'll go back a bit then. Like sort of going into the game, I was expecting. I don't know. I said in the video, like, is this the most confident you've ever been to go into Old Trafford? And looking back on that, that was probably a little bit of a stupid thing to say. I think I was sort of basing that off. Um, they're getting knocked out of Europe against Sevilla, where they are absolutely hopeless. They got absolutely bullied that night a couple of weeks ago, going 120 minutes in the FA Cup semi-final against Brighton and just edging past them on penalties. Um, even as recently as Thursday, they dropped a 2-0 lead against Tottenham. and That looks really, really leg at the end of that game. And obviously, we had a couple of extra days rest after that Fulham game. So I was sort of expecting us to go there and sort of not play them off the park. Because like you said, naturally, they're at home, they're at Old Trafford, so it was always going to be difficult. I just think they weren't great Man United, and that was the frustrating thing. I think going into the game right at the start, we couldn't keep the ball, could we, at all? I think couldn't make a couple of passes, really just keeping... Sometimes we just want to keep the ball for a bit, just take the sting out of the game. Obviously, they're going to have chances, of course they are. They had a lot of decent talent going forward, Man United. I just think we couldn't trap the ball, could we? We couldn't play the the game we wanted to play. Just couldn't keep the ball at all. We didn't control possession well enough like we usually do. Um, and, you know, it, obviously that, that, that limited us and it impacted us. Um, I don't think it was all about us being poor though I think Man United uh, stopped us from being good in possession as well I think they were quite you know in our faces to be honest they didn't give us much time on the ball at all and I think we struggled to play our own game we went long quite a few times and it didn't quite come off and 
Um, I thought the the Man United centre centre halves, to be fair, had a great game. I thought Lindelof mm. was really really good. I mean, Mart sort of Watkins out the game entirely, really. So yeah, I thought there was you know there was yeah as I, I said in the first half, the nice of our ball retention has been really poor, and it's 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 going to be what sort of cost us in this game. And um, it kind of was. It, we didn't build up enough, did we? And um, and obviously the first goal really led from it. I mean, Martinez you know punted the ball down the field and it it came straight back didn't it and it's not something we usually do we we don't usually punt the ball directly straight down the field we mm. even go like to our flanks don't we or or we play it short out and the one time that Martinez did do it you know it ended up costing us a goal essentially I said as well to you in the first half that we're desperately missing Kamara at the moment I, I really yeah. I really believe that I think dendonka has been a good sort of steady Eddie to come in mm. and um you know shore us up a little bit in the you know, in the absence of Kamara, but Kamara is such a good player. I think he he finds that space and time on the ball, and he shows for the ball constantly from his centre halves, which limits the amount of times that Konza or Mings have to sort of you know run out and, and and bring the ball out themselves. And I think it was I think the last couple of games for me has been quite we, we I've, we've seen how much we miss my um, how much we miss Kamara. Sorry, so yeah, it'd be good to get him back. But yeah, it was it was. It was disappointing, but uh, yeah, ball retention wise, yes, it wasn't wasn't particularly great. I thought we couldn't really get into our stride because we, and credits got to it to Man United on that. I think on their right hand side, Dallow had a very good game. You said to me multiple times that he sort of shut down Moreno, didn't he? And do yeah. you think that that Newcastle game at home where we absolutely blitzed them and it was sort of the epitome of how Villa want to play, and we went down that left hand side so much more than we did on the right, and it was all Moreno constantly, constantly, constantly. Do you think teams have sort of seen that and kind of to an extent working out how we're trying to play? I think Bruno Fernandes on that on that right hand side as well. He was out wide, wasn't he? And do you think the aim there was sort of to pin Moreno back? I'm not sure. I think you know after that Newcastle game of how obvious it was that this is how Villa want to play. Seems to sort of looking at Villa now and thinking, right, we need to do something to shut out Moreno, and then we'll have a chance. Yeah, possibly. I think um, I think teams would would already know that that's one of Villa's main areas of uh, of hurting opposition down our left flank. And um, but I, but I still think though because he's because he's very good at doing what he does, Moreno. I mean, even though he was shut out yesterday, he still had a a couple of decent opportunities mm. in the box. I mean, he had that chance himself, which he he probably should have scored from. Really, I mean, yeah, I think I think teams I think teams will identify our. It's natural they're going to identify our yeah. our spots of hurting the opposition, and they're going to try and shut them down. And I think, and I think they'll also try and find our weak spots as well. Like a like I think Man U yesterday, especially what they did was um, was they knew we we play a high line, and so that ball just kept dropping over the mm. top every time because they knew that that's how we played, and that's how they could sort of get at us. Which it kind of worked really. It, you know, we did, we did get caught out a few times by it, but I suppose that's football. You're never gonna you're never gonna have a free reign, are you? In terms of you know like a Moreno running down the left totally free all the time but yeah i think i think that's what the team teams do they try and shut down your uh, you know your best threats within a game so yeah and i thought i thought, and and you're quite right i said i said yes i thought dallow had a really really strong game up against Moreno and um, he did cut off that supply line a little bit didn't it? Yeah those balls over the top were causing trouble a lot of yesterday afternoon I think Rashford's pace was causing us all sorts of problems they got caught offside a ridiculous amount of times and it's kind of that thing of waiting for the linesman to put his flag up and we all know he's offside I think even Villa had a couple of them that Louise chance late on I was convinced Watkins was offside I think those balls especially over the top for Man United were causing us problems there's a lot of attacking talent though Fernandez, Sabitza, Eriksen, Sancho and Rashford all going forward that's a lot of talent so it was always going to be difficult they were pinning Villa back just thinking the midfielders where we were struggling a little bit really couldn't keep the ball we've already talked about missing Kamara and Dendonka probably playing more games than ideally we'd like Casemiro had a decent game he's a decent player we all know that 
that tackle early on, absolutely ridiculous. We'll talk about the referee. Sort of, you expect it going to Old Trafford as, as any fan, really. You all, you all know the referee's going to side with the home team. But yesterday, that Casemiro tackle and everything, sort of, he was adamant not to give anything to Villa, was he, yesterday? Yeah, it just felt like that all day long, didn't it? Even even little 50-50s, which you know, you'll sometimes get and you sometimes won't. Really, she didn't get any of them yesterday. Um, and as you say, that tackle after, what, 20 minutes, Casemiro, it, was, it was an awful tackle. Mm. It was an awful tackle. And it came about after Fernandez had been diving again up the other end of the field. And Fernandez was still down at that time. Um, and Villa weren't putting the ball out because there was nothing wrong with him, obviously. Um, and then what happens is Ramsey gets on the ball and Casemiro comes in and just absolutely takes him out of the match. I mean, there was no... So late. Yeah, it was so late. There was no intention to win the football at all. Um, and the referee doesn't even book him. And I, and I found that absolutely baffling, to be honest. And then what really riled me up later on in the game, you had Fred who came on. And I think for the moment he came on, all he did was foul. And, and, and that was literally what he did. He made, he made two really poor, poor challenges. And then he kicked the ball away, um, and then he was finally booked. Then he was finally booked on that third occasion. Mm. Um, and I said to you, I was like, at this point now, he should be sent off. And then he was trying to block the, I mean, he was trying to block the free kick at one point yeah. as well. You know, he'd made four yellow card, um, sort of, you know, sort of offences within within the first 10, 15 minutes of being on the field, and yet he didn't get that booking until like the third time, even though the first one warranted a yellow card. I hate moaning about referees. It sounds like you, and I'm not pinning the blame on Villa losing to on no. the referee yesterday, but. Just overall, just a re- again, just a just a really poor sort of performance though from him. And like I say, any fifty fifties that Villa were were in, we didn't win them in terms of winning a free kick or any fouls or anything. But every time Man United uh, were involved, you know, every time every time Man United had that sort of, you know, is it is it going to be a foul or not? It was a foul every time, mm. and that's what the referee kept doing yesterday. And um, I'm not sure who the referee was yesterday. But... Was it Jared Gillett? I think it was Jared Gillett, the Australian. Oh fella. yeah, it was. I, I just found it. I found his refereeing performance really frustrating. There was nothing like major to to, 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 to talk about with him. Little he didn't make any major gaffes, but. It was. Re- I just found it. I found his his overall management of the game really frustrating yesterday. I think it's really basic things as well. Like I like it when a ref is sort of you know they let it flow and all of this that and the other, and they don't give sort of little niggly ones where Fernandez is maybe going to throw himself on the floor too softly. I like that, but there's got to be a line to it. And again, though the linesmen aren't helping them out when a linesman is like five yards from an incident. And the referee is 30 yards away. And the linesman is just stood there not helping out an official. He really, really does my head in. And he was adamant not to give anything to Villa yesterday. Really, really basic decisions that just weren't going our way. And like I said, I like it when they let the game flow. But that was a different level yesterday, it was. Talked about Bruno Fernandes there. We've got to come on to him. Like you said, that Casemiro incident, it, was, it all came from him sort of rolling around on the floor. He's the... I don't like doing this on the podcast and calling players out and being nailing down them, whatever. But he is the most insufferable person I've ever seen on a football pitch. I'm sure he's a lovely bloke and I'm not sure whether he knows that he's doing it or his brain is sort of hard hardwired to him just thinking this is normal now, what he does, play acting, whatever. It's absolutely ridiculous. And as soon as he does that and the away end's chanting all sorts at him, singling him out, whatever, you know he's going to score that goal. And he's got a ridiculous record against Villa, I think, in terms of goals and assists. But just him yesterday. He's so annoying, isn't he? And the thing is, he doesn't need to be though, because he's you know what, he's a top player as well. He is. And when you watch him play, you think he's a very, very good footballer. And I think for what you know, for what man, some of the absolute duds that Man United have signed over the last you know <laughs> sort of decade, you look at him and you think they actually did a really good deal with him. He's he's a top top footballer. He doesn't need to be how he is. He really doesn't. And um, and I, do you know what? I wouldn't even go as far to say it winds the opposition up. I just think it's. 
I just think he's just irritating. It's like a really, just really bad character, isn't it, from him? I just, mm. how he goes down and how he's constantly moaning at the linesman. And it's just, it's just a constant, isn't it? And, um, yeah, I find it disappointing when really, really top players are like that. Because, like I say, there's, there's no need for it. But, um, but yeah, it was it was from minute one yesterday, wasn't it? It was going down and talk, he kept coming over to the linesman by us and talking to the linesman and about little things which weren't even you know weren't even anything to be debated about really. But mm. yeah, really, he's one he's got to be one of the most disliked players in the whole of the Premier League, surely. Oh yeah, he came out after the game and said they probably don't like to play against me, but it is what it is. It's football. I would prefer them to come and support their players instead. Be focused on me. Like, is he being serious? Like, do you actually think he's in his head, like, he's thinking, oh, I'm being a wind-up merchant here? Or do you think he's actually being serious? Like, what, what do you expect us to do when you're rolling around in front of the away end and doing this, that and the other? And play acting is a bad problem in football. And we saw Jurgen Klopp yesterday when Liverpool scored a winner go and scream in the fourth yeah. official's face when he just yeah. stood there. These officials in the Premier League, absolute walkovers and players, managers, whatever, staff can do whatever they like because they know their walkovers and nothing will come of it. I've said it before. Do you remember when players used to get um, retrospectively banned for diving? That's mm. gone out the window. Nobody really talks yeah. about that. Brushed under the carpet, things like this. If you punish unsportsmanlike behaviour, screaming in officials' face, constant diving, it will stop. It will stop. So I don't know why it continues screaming in officials' face, managers, players. I don't think there's any respect, though. There's no respect anywhere anymore. And um, we, I've heard this debate quite a few times on like, the radio and stuff. But you know when you hear like news come out from like grassroots football where like referees are sort of yeah. t- young referees are targeted by parents and by other people standing on the side of watching their their children play. But where's that coming from? And that's coming from, you know, you see you see it during top level Premier League matches and you know, you see some you know, you you see these kids who are watching obviously watch watching their heroes like a Fernandez and like a Jurgen Klopp for instance and uh and, and and start taking a leaf out of their books because they think, Oh well they can they can do it and that's what that's what they do in the Premier League. So I'll start mm. doing it and I yeah. I just think we've got to be really careful in in at top level football because yeah it's um you know it's a it's it's an intense game it's a high field game and people you know sometimes might react in the way that you wouldn't expect them to do but I think we need to I think we need to get real with it and realize that it's a game of football and uh, I think we need to find that little bit of respect in us if I'm if I'm being honest and uh, yeah it's a big I hated that whole clock thing yesterday I absolutely mm-hmm. hated it and then his his post match as well I just thought it was. Awful! How he, he singled out, he, he singled out the referee by name, um, and he was trying to infer that the referee, I think it was Paul Tierney, had a personal issue with like Liverpool, and wow. he was listing all these things that Paul Tierney had done. And I was thinking, it's not the way to go about it. If you've got, if you've got an actual worry about a referee not being, not refereeing properly against you whenever you play you. Take it down the official channels. Don't start talking to the media about it because then people pick up on it. Fans pick up on it. Everyone, everyone picks up on it. And I just think it's a really poor show. And then the Premier League have responded this morning haven't they? and said that they, they've reviewed footage and they've reviewed the referees' match reports and they can't find anywhere that Paul Tini was in the wrong and stuff. And and you just look at it, you think, yeah, and yet Jurgen Klopp there has like you know ensued like a pylon on top of the referee yeah. there. And that's what's good. That's what's going to be you now. All the Liverpool fans, you know what it's like. All the Liverpool fans are going to you know be riled up by it they're gonna you know believe exactly what Jurgen Klopp says they're sort of messiah and it's going to be now forever tainted as Paul Tierney the the referee that's against Liverpool and I just think it's totally wrong if I'm being honest and I think these players and these managers need to realize the sort of level of 
you know, it's the sort of level of, of respect that they get from their own supporters and, their, and you know, and like I say, and kids and, but not even kids and adults as well. And I just think they need to be, they need to be really careful about what they say to the media and how they act because um, it's not a good look, is it? It's really not a good look. No, there's no respect at all. And you could see on socials yesterday when, when that thing with Jurgen Klopp happened, everyone was laughing, going, oh, isn't he funny, Jurgen Klopp? No, it's disgusting. You don't scream in people's face, especially when there's cameras everywhere watching. You just don't do it. And do you know the thing the other week as well that that, that aggravated me uh, entirely? And I'm glad the Premier League made the decision that they did. But, you know, the Andy Robertson one against the linesman. Oh, uh, yeah. When, he when was the same like, linesman as we had yesterday. Yeah, well, that but that really aggravated me, though, because when you watch that footage, you know, the linesman's walking away. He's got no, he's got no, uh, rec- he's got, he doesn't realise anyone's around him. And then Robertson gets up to him really close. And what's the natural, what is the natural reaction if somebody sort of, get off, you know, bumps get into you and shoves you like that? You do exactly. Your natural reaction is to get off, mate. It wasn't anything in, like intentionally aggressive or anything like that. And yet the pylon that came from it again, was just totally, totally out of order, and it's like you need to respect. You need why? Why are you running up to an official and bumping into them, or you know, making them react like that? You don't need to be. And mm. I'm, I'm so glad in the end the Premier League's um, reaction was there, there is no action to take here, and he was back. He was back on duty on VAR yeah. and running the line, etc. After that, I, I think I just think the last few weeks in particular, the, the respect from managers and players towards officials and everything else has been absolutely appalling I really do people involved in football I just kind of think they have like a magic bubble around them they think they're a different level don't they They sort of look down on officials because or you know then people don't can't recognize them or they don't know their names so they're not as important they don't have the same rights we're going off on a massive tangent here but did you see all the stuff with the the Leeds players with that little lad in the hotel yesterday in in Bournemouth when they're all walking straight past him again that little mascot from Arsenal they were doing the same thing Literally every other day with another club, you're seeing these things where footballers are walking past little kiddies where they just want a picture or to say hello. Like It's so, so bizarre that footballers think that they're this sort of superior breed of person. It's so, so weird. And like I said, gone off on a massive tangent. That just really wound me up when I saw all the Leeds players walking past that that little lad yesterday. Well, it's massively out of touch though, isn't it? As you say, like they're trapped in this little bubble, this Premier League bubble where... You know, it seems like no one's allowed to even speak or anything to anybody. And you know, we've seen it. We've seen that Villa ourselves, haven't we? When they mm. bar- barricaded off half the gates around the around by the Trinity Road stand where the players come in, and I've noticed these days the coach parks that close to the entrance. I mean, if it parked any closer, the coach would be actually in the entrance of Villa Park, <laughs> like through the doors. I mean, they park that close that there's a tiny little window of like opportunity for literally like a handful of supporters to say anything, grab a photo with any of them, and I just think. Is there really a need for that? Like, I, I just I find it hugely out of touch, and I'm not I'm not criticising Villa in general. I think Villa do some good work in the community. Yeah, they do. I don't, and I think the players, I think the players interact fairly well with the Villa supporters. To be fair, so I'm not talking about Villa mainly, but I just think overall, I just it, it does feel like these days you're so far away from it. Like the fans don't seem to have any sort of. Apart from being in the stand, the fans don't have any sort of access whatsoever anymore. And when players can't even acknowledge a young kid who's a mascot or or whatever at a hotel or you know people refusing to have photos and stuff we've heard of that before haven't we i'm not mentioning any names but we've heard of that before <laughs> um and i just think that's just so out of touch isn't it? i mean if you're a player or a manager as if you'd have a problem with that like as if like you'd never have a problem with that would you realistically and yet it's the, I, I get the feeling sometimes these players and managers though are told from hierarchies in the club that oh yeah. no don't do this and don't do that and i just think as a person would you not love talking to fans and stuff like that would you, would you not really enjoy it you should yeah like these people 
come and watch you every week. You are their hero. Can you imagine how that feels? Like I, ju- yeah. I just don't understand yeah. what what goes through their heads to sort of you see a young lad walk there, sat there, like really buzzing to see you, and you don't. You're just looking down at your phone. You just walk straight past him, like. That that's absolutely bizarre. But it's like they're not given room, though. They're not given room to show their actual character half the time. These players, though, and it's like they become like they become like robots, don't they? Like you see, like they're in, you see, like some of these players' interviews after the game, and you see them walking into like a ground, and they've got like no like personal skills, as they? they've got no like communication skills with anybody. And you think like the club, the, sometimes the clubs don't help with that. Though. They shut it down totally. And do you know, what? I love the I love it when you've come across a player who. It's just so like personal and so like open and honest. I mean, how many interviews do we see these days where you know they just come out with all these cliched remarks? Like yeah. I was watching an interview the other day actually, and um, I think it was after Leicester beat. It was definitely a Leicester game. It might have been when they got a, um, a draw against somebody recently, anyway. Um, and they were interviewing Madison and Jamie Vardy after the game. Jamie Vardy was like, it was literally was like he'd studied like a textbook with his responses. Um, but then Madison, on the other hand, was so like personal and like his character came out in the interview and it was just really nice to see i was actually thinking god you couldn't find two players more poles apart here in how they're <laughs> in how they're interacting with with the media or they're indirectly with their supporters and uh yeah i found madison's approach really nice but yeah just overall really it's so many of these interviews you just find oh yeah we'll pick ourselves up and you know the fans were great and it's just like oh come on like players you, players are all media trained up to their eyeballs these days aren't they they're so so media trained you can't say this you can't yeah. say this oh yeah say this and i i don't watch interviews anymore because i don't really care like when a new player signs for villa you could play bingo with it you could like write down five six things you know what they're gonna say oh it's a big club you know they want to get into europe i've heard the fans are fantastic great stadium it's like there's no personality to any of these people anymore. Like, what's the point? Yeah, no, absolutely. You're right. It's uh, it's it's frustrating, but yeah, we've gone off on a big tangent, really. But uh, yeah, it is important though. But yeah, that you're right. That video of the Leeds players just it was just yeah, it was just sad, really, really sad, wasn't it? Final thing then before we move on that uh, we can relate to it, can't we? When we met all the players when we went out to the Middle East during the um, the World yeah. Cup break, I think you could tell the sort of difference. Like the two that stood out for me was McGinn and Mings. They're just they're just normal blokes, especially McGinn. Like he's just cracking jokes about how much he's sweating and apologising about how much he stinks yeah. and stuff. Like it's just those yeah. little things, isn't it? Where you know he's just a normal bloke. Like he's just a normal bloke, and seeing the sort of contrast there, I love that. It's so good. Yeah, and they that's it. They shouldn't be built up to be anything other than ordinary blokes because that is exactly mm. what they are. But yeah, you quite you know you'll get the shy players. You will get the yeah, shy yeah. players who don't want to who struggle to interact because they're shy, and that's fair enough. You know you have that in all walks of life, but. Um, you're right. You've got the likes of like for me, it was Mings, McGee, and then it was um, Ashley Young for me as well. And even yeah. like Conza, there was a there was a good collection of them who were, and and even even Luca Dean. To be fair, he was like, interacting not really well with all the fans when we were out in the Middle East. And um, there's certain what there's certain pockets who are who are who are really good, but they should be allowed a little bit more freedom. I think should be allowed yeah. to, to to speak more openly because I think fans appreciate it. I, I know I certainly do, and I, I I think I think quite a lot of fans appreciate getting to know the person person behind the player as well yeah it's minor things for them but like for fans and stuff it, it's 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 absolutely huge we'll go back to the football then unfortunately let's brush past this Bruno Fernandes goal you're right you talked about it earlier it just came from a goal kick and we don't normally do that it's a header back and I think Conce is the one who's slightly slow in getting out that plays yeah. Rashford on side Rashford uses his pace and from where we stood it kind of looks like it's going wide I haven't seen it back um to sort of make that judgment but it's not a great shot and 
would you put it down as a Martinez error? Probably. It's a good finish. It is to sort of dink it over because there's players sliding all over the place. But it's it's disappointing from a goalkeeper, isn't it? But yeah, possibly. I think um, I think as you say, it came from us sending a goalkeeper very straight down the field, which we very rarely do. As I said earlier, we either go towards the flanks, long ball, or we or we pass it out from the back. And so the one time Martinez did it yesterday, obviously came straight back. Conza struggled to to you know to get out, and uh, it was a simple simple ball through and. Um, yeah, the shot and the shot looked like it was going wide. It did. I think it was definitely going wide. But um, I think the only thing I'd say in defence of Martinez is that it might be, it might happen so quick. He might have just lost sort of um, clarity where his positioning was, yeah. sort of thing. He might have he might have thought I need to get something on it because he didn't quite know where he was in terms of his positioning. So that that's probably why. But um, yeah, and he palmed it out. And then but then but then they got lucky though. Fernandez's shot I don't think was even particularly great, and and it took a, a massive deflection which sort of saw it loop um, into the net over. Over Martinez and um, I think it was Mings who was trying to cover. Yeah. They even had that though. They even had the little bit of luck, um, you know, riding on that. It wasn't even a great finish for me, and uh, and I think that was what was really yeah frustrating. I said to you, didn't I? I said you know I don't mind losing, but I hate losing to really poor goals. And I feel yeah. like we've I feel like we gifted them that goal, and as well with a little you know tinge of a little bit of luck on their side. I, I feel like we've uh, we've you know we've sort of gifted it to them. I think Martinez mentioned it in his um, post-match interview, didn't he? Someone asked him sort of what was the difference today, and he said a deflection. I think I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's all down to that, but you know, like you said, it's it's a lucky goal, isn't it? And we always say as Villa fans, like we can take it when a team scores a well-crafted goal against us or a, a wonder goal or whatever. But when it's something like that, like it's just it's just going to annoy you, isn't it? But, but De Gea had a quiet afternoon. I don't think Villa really created anything. I don't think Louise had a chance in the second half, didn't he? Where the first shot was terrible. He gets a second bite of the cherry. And it's a decent, decent effort. Uh, Lindelof clears it off the line. But apart from that, it's sort of one of them where you don't really create anything all afternoon. It was a little bit disappointing in the end in terms of Villa creating actual clear-cut chances. Yeah, I think, we, like I say, I think we struggled to break them down. I think they sat very deep, to be honest. And um, obviously, Casemiro does a good job, doesn't he, in that midfield role. And um, I think we I think we struggled to break through the lines, to be honest. I don't think Ramsey was particularly great. I don't Brendia had a really bad game yesterday. He had a bit of a stinker and... Um, it was it was one of them games for him, wasn't it? And then uh, obviously we tried to change it. Fair enough, we tried to change it with Traore and John Duran, and um, but it didn't quite happen, did it? And Watkins was kind of marked out the game as well. And yeah, you know, we had little bursts of energy from Ramsey and uh, John McGinn at times, but um, it wasn't probably wasn't consistent enough in our in our attacking in our attacking approach. I don't think there was one of our attacking players which you could have said mm. had a had a good game yesterday, and that. And 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 they and there tells you the story. It tells you the story of why we didn't score. And it tells you the story of probably why we lost the game, if, if we're being totally honest. The new baby curse has struck Ollie Watkins again. <laughs> if anyone doesn't know, I think he had a baby, what, a couple of weeks ago? I don't think he's scored since yeah. he's had um, his newborn child. I think there was reports that uh, Bayern Munich were at the Fulham game watching him. Reports of, oh, £60 million could get him. What do you make of that? I don't know if I believe it, to be honest. I don't know if I believe it. I, I just couldn't see it. I couldn't see that happening, if I'm being totally honest. Villa wouldn't just, sell him, uh, would they? They wouldn't sell him. I don't think so. I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I, you'd highly doubt it the form he's been in. Um, yeah, there's a little thing in my head that always says that you know Villa are now trying to become a sustainable club. And so if we had a, if we had a huge offer and we thought we could improve on on him for, for the money. I think, you know, we might possibly do it. But mm. again, though, would you be able to improve on him with sixty million? I'm not sure you would, to be honest with you. So I don't see it. I don't I don't I don't really believe the story if I'm being honest, but um 
Yeah, I don't I don't see any way, to be honest. No, nah, it all seems a bit pie in the sky, doesn't it? But if that is true, so yeah, you can talk about would Villa let him go or not, but it's only natural for Ollie Watkins' head to be turned if someone like a German giant in Bayern Munich come calling Champions League football, etc., etc. I want to talk about Wendy then, because in the last couple of games, he's sort of on social media, he's been sort of the target of the most amount of sort of disagreement, confusion, whatever. I think in that Fulham game, he, he was he was he didn't have a great game, but then nobody did. I think it's the things where he sort of waves his arm around and screaming at Watkins when Watkins flicks on ahead when it wasn't quite in the right place. Just little things like that. Sort of I've seen a few people call it little man syndrome, but just throwing his arms around and sort of the play acting and things like that is what winds me up. Like I said. Nobody had a great game going forward. Watkins wasn't in the game at all. Ramsey wasn't in the game at all, whatever. But I think it's Buendia's sort of, you can put it down to his personality, whatever. It's just sort of the waving arms thing that, that annoys me a little bit. Yeah, I think it is his personality. It's how he plays the game, isn't he? He's, uh, he doesn't, he clearly doesn't like losing, does he? He doesn't like being on the on the side of where things aren't, aren't particularly going his way, sort of thing. And he, and, he, and he shows all that emotion on the field. And sometimes, you know, I, I get why that's frustrating for fans, but... I'd also say, though, I'd rather see a player showing a bit of emotion than not, though, as well. And I think yeah. the one thing with Brendier, I do think that he's the one player that he doesn't come off. He doesn't come off all the time, but I think he's the one player that does try and show that little bit of personality out in the field, though, in terms of taking a little bit of a risk and trying to play that, that through ball. And you're quite right, he holds us the ball for too long and he gets dispossessed. And, um, you know, he, he often makes that, you know, that wrong decision. And I, I've, I've said for a long time, I think that for the money we paid, I think Brendan needs to needs to start showing more yeah. in terms of assists and goals and um you know, you hope that Emery can, you know, get that out of him because on his day he's an excellent, excellent player. And to be fair to him, I think before the last two games, I think he had been pretty consistent in his performances. I think he'd been pretty, pretty good on the whole. I think he's been a major force at Y Villa of, you know, when on this sort of unbeaten run, I think he's been quite good. Um, like last Saturday against Brentford, for instance, I thought he was probably Villa's standout performer going forward last week. Um but he's followed up with two not so great games against Fulham and Man United. But it's kind of what happens sometimes, isn't it? But we, we need to work with him. We've got no other no other options at the moment, and he's our big sort of record signing. So you know we need to work with him, and um, and and I think and, and I think we've got the right manager to sort of get the best out of him. So yeah, we just we, we just need to keep plugging away with him, really. I think it, you can't really single people out as well when we've just gone unbeaten in 10 games and won eight as well. Like, I don't think that's fair at all. Like you said, Wendy has had some really good moments. That assist for Louise at that Brentford game, really calm, composed, did well. I think it's a little bit unfair, but, you know, it's only natural. You know what football fans are like. I think the thing that we're seeing now is how much we are missing those injured players, aren't we? Like, we're really, really sort of on the fine line now of one injury more and we are in disastrous territory, Watkins or another attacking player gets injured. We don't have another choice. Philippe Coutinho's missed 11 games. Matty Cash has missed seven. Looks like he might be back for next week. I think that'll be massive because Ashley Lunga's been okay, but playing as many games as he had at his age isn't great. Kamara's missed the last six games, plus the one the ones he missed before Chelsea. Leon Bailey even has had a lot of stick this season. He's missed four games. And again, you said yesterday, he's someone that, you know, you really want coming off the bench or at, you know, he offers a bit of something different, doesn't he? But we are down to the bare bones and that is sort of coming out to show now. Yeah, it is. It is. And um, and I think fair play to the players that have come in. Like, I think Ashley has been absolutely brilliant, but I think it's a lot to ask him to play the amount of games that we have mm. asked him to play sort of thing. And, you know, he said himself, how he has to try and look after his buddies and to have ice baths after the game. And he's in, apparently he was, um, I think it was on the other night against Fulham, he was having to, he was having to pop painkillers apparently at the side of the pitch, uh, at the side of the pitch, the other night to be able to carry on. And so, 
I think it's taken its toll, if I'm being honest. I think we've we've run out of steam a little bit. And I said it a few weeks ago, my only worry was that we were going to run out of a little bit of steam, especially with the injuries sort of thing. And I feel like that's sort of coming to coming to horns a little bit at the moment. I think, um, you know, if you, I, I don't think the players are playing bad, don't get me wrong, but I think the likes of like a young and a, you know, even like a Dendonka and a few of the other players, it's a bit at the moment, it's like a six and a half out of ten, where, where we need them really to, to get, reach our sort of goals. We need them to be at like a, a seven and a half or an eight out of ten mm. week in, week out. And um, yeah, it's, you know, it's getting us by sort of thing at the moment, but I feel like we need a little bit of energy and um, fresh legs in there to, you know, to, to really sort of, you know, threaten again towards the end of the season. And as you say, I think Cash coming back will be a big one. He's missed a long time, he has. And uh, I think he gives us something different. He's quite, you know, he's quite aggressive, isn't he? And he's playing, he gets forward. And, um, you know, we can tuck into midfield as well, where you need him to. And I think he, he'll he be, a, you know, a welcome return. Um, and then the other two for me, I think, obviously, Coutinho's been out for a while. So, um, and Coutinho is Coutinho. He's shown... Flashes of brilliance before before he got injured, um, but he's been out for eleven games. You can't really rely on him. But I think the other two for me, Kamara. I said it earlier. I think we're such a different team when Kamara's in in you know playing. I said to you yesterday, like Dendonka, he's, he's a good he's a good squad player. He's a steady Eddie, and he comes in. But I think you know he does a simple job, doesn't he? He gets the ball and he moves it on. Um, he's not he hasn't got that vision like Kamara has and I think he doesn't show for the ball as often as Kamara does either so that's when Villa start going long ball a little bit and we, we lose our you know, shape and go a little bit ragged um, so Kamara's a big one but I just wonder whether we're going to see him again over this season I really yeah. don't know Like I know Emery was saying that they're all not very far away but obviously when he had that protective boot on the other week it sort of worried you a little bit So and you worry about how long it's going to take him to get back as well because he's not going to come back match fit is he because he's yeah, missed yeah. quite a quite a while now so he's the, my main worry to be honest and then I think as we just said Bailey yeah he's had a little bit of criticism from the fans whether you whether you agree with that or not I'm not sure I think yeah he's frustrating at times but I still think he's delivered some big moments this season for us and um, you know in terms of goals and some assists I think he has delivered some really key moments for us and uh I think he's been a miss. I genuinely think he's been a miss. Mm. Um, well, like we're talking about Buendia, um, who was struggling the last two games. You know, if you remember at the start of this winning run, Buendia was on the bench for the Everton game, and yeah, he came on and scored in that game. But Bailey started that game ahead of Buendia, and I just think if Bailey was um, fit at the moment, he does give you that something different. And I think Emery quite likes him, if I'm being honest. And I think um, I, I feel like we miss, we are missing him. Uh, to be honest, I just I just think he gives us that something totally different that none of our other players give you. If we could get him, Cash and Kamara back fit, I'd be much more confident. And it's the final few games, but yeah, it's really imperative we get we get a couple or a few of them back because um we just we I wouldn't say we're running on, on on empty. I don't think that's fair, but um I just I think there's been a a bit of a slowdown in how we and how we look and how we perform in sort of thing, and so um, it would be good just to get a little bit of a boost, just so we can rotate and give a, a couple of players a little bit of a breather. It would be a boost, and even Coutinho missed the missed the last eleven games. Like I've said it in the previous podcast or the last couple of podcasts. His last game was against Arsenal. He's just a massive, massive question mark. And yes, he hasn't been the best this season or when he's come on he hasn't had the greatest impact but at least he'd be an option though he'd offer you something different like Bailey hasn't been incredible whatever but he pops up with moments and he offers you something different so I think Emery said after the game yesterday one or two might be back but yeah we we spoke in the week didn't we about Kamara we sort of got that feeling that we might not see him again and even if we do he's not going to be 
you know, 100% is he's not going to be match fit, whatever. So, yeah, a, a major concern really with this running, like the most pivotal part of this season. Yeah, it's something to worry about. Thought the atmosphere was decent yesterday. I think after the game, the sort of overall vibe was appreciation, yeah. wasn't it? I think there was really loud. Villa till I die. Unai Emery's character and Blue Army going really, really loud. Yeah. You could sort of tell like the fans were so, so appreciative of the performance. And even the last couple of months, it sort of all boiled down to that, wasn't it? The first defeat in a long time. You, sh- you sort of show your support for the whole run that Villa had been on. So I thought that was really nice yesterday. Yeah, and that's it. It's overriding pride from the Villa faithful towards the players and the and the coaching staff because I think we all we all recognise the position we were in last uh, last October November time and um, the run we've had has been remarkable and no one ever thought we'd be having a conversation that we'd go into the final four games challenging mm-hmm. for pro- probably the top six if we've been realistic top five maybe but top six realistically we, we, yeah. we, we're aiming for and yeah and I, and I think obviously that the, the carrot has been dangled in front of us hasn't it a little bit and yeah. I think we, we, we'll all be disappointed probably if we don't get Europe um, but as I said to you quite a while ago now I think when we had that uh, that spell of losing three games on the spin against Leicester City and Arsenal I think I said to you the key thing for me is that we finish this season relatively strong because I think it will lend us you know it will lead us into a summer of um, being confident about where the club are going and I think that's where we are at the moment look we've got four games to go it's not over it was only a narrow defeat yesterday remember it was our first defeat in in what was it 11 games mm. Um I think we're going to Wolves next week and it's a, it's a big game against Wolves. We need to go there and win, uh, realistically. Um, and then we've got, obviously we, we've got the home games to come and then a very tough away game at Liverpool. But um, but again though, like, you know, you never put Villa out of it though, like Liverpool. Like, I look at the I look at the goals Liverpool are conceding at Anfield at the moment though, like three against Spurs yesterday, two against Forest like last week. I, mm. I don't think they're, I don't think they're unbeatable. I think they're a good side at Anfield, don't get me wrong, but I don't think they're unbeatable. If you get your shape right and you have a good day going forward, I think you can. I think you can get joy out of them. I really do. The home games are going to be Villa's key against yep. Spurs and Brighton. And I think, realistically, for me, if I was Unai Emery in the Villa squad, I'd be thinking, right, we can't affect what Brighton are doing. We can affect um, what happens in the race against Spurs, and I think that's got to be our target. Essentially, I think Spurs—they're conceding goals left, right, and centre. They're not in a good place. The the fans are sort of, you know, really against what's going on at the club at the moment. Yeah. I think Villa need to take advantage of that. They've got Spurs to come at home. Spurs mm. have got some tough games themselves, um, and I think I think they have to be our sort of target. And then and then we'll wait and see what happens with Brighton. Who knows what will happen with Brighton? I mean. They obviously had that incredible win on Saturday against the poor Wolves side, but they've still got tough games in quite a congested sort of running as well. So, but Brighton are one of those like wait and see, wait and see jobs. We don't know what's going to happen. So, our main target, I think, has got to be on Spurs. I'll quickly run through what Tottenham have got coming up. Then they've got Crystal Palace at home, they've got Villa away, Brentford at home, and Leeds away as well. They could be fighting for something. So, not easy fixtures. Brentford welcoming them, um, but coming to Villa Park, I think that's going to be. Absolutely massive. They've got very similar records at this point in the season. Tottenham and Villa both played 34, um, both on the same number of points. Uh, Tottenham have got a goal difference that's two better than Villa. So if we can start quick against Tottenham at Villa Park, I think that's going to be an absolutely massive game. Bryson have got three games in hand on Villa, two points behind, but their fixtures are very, very tough. They've got Man United up next, Everton, Arsenal, Newcastle, Southampton, probably looking at that one as a win, and then Man City, and then obviously the last game of the season is against Villa. So... Look, it's all good and well looking at their fixtures, but we've just got to focus on ourselves. It's semi in our hands because we have got these teams to play. I think you're looking at Liverpool and you're thinking, yeah, with their fixtures, they've got a game in hand, they're two points ahead. You're probably not worrying about them too much. I think it's between Tottenham, Brighton, Villa in that sort of 
you know, better position with the fact we've got to play them both as well. So I think it's it's going to be hard, mate. It's going to be hard, but it's it's so tight and to an extent, it's in Villa's hands, isn't it? Yeah, it, it totally totally is in Villa's hands, and it's because of the games obviously we've got. Um, I think the next two are vitally vitally important. To be honest, mm. I think um, the Liverpool away one is kind of like a you know, a bonus if you get anything really. But um I think next week against Wolves is a really big game. Spurs have got Palace next weekend at home and I think I think that's a tough game actually. Palace are in decent form as well yeah. since Hodgson came back. So that's a tough game for Spurs. I think next week's really key and then it leads into you know, into the following week against Spurs. And I think some more you'll know more really, I think, in the next two weeks. Um but yeah, we need to come up with a plan and um hopefully get a couple of players back fit for the next week's game against Wolves because they'll be you know, they'll be hurting after that six 0 defeat and they'll want you know that they'll want revenge at home and again against another team that have been very strong at home to be fair since since Lapategi came in anyway. They've been very strong at home. So tough game really, tough game. Derby derby game, but um hopefully we can come up with something and get and get a positive result there next week. And it'll if we do, I think it'll lend us, you know, nicely into the the final few games of the season. Um and hopefully we can secure a European players. Like I said, I've said to you a while ago, I'd be absolutely over the moon with seventh and conference league football. I know other other people have sort of said that they don't want conference league football, but nonsense. Um, <laughs> I'm not like that at all. I'm, I'd be absolutely over the moon with conference league. To be honest with you, from where we from where we were last October, I'd be absolutely over the moon with it. So yeah, bring it on. Um, it's really nice to be in the conversation, isn't it? And uh, yeah, we can't be too despondent or too negative. We've lost one game in the in, in eleven matches and so that that is some sort of record and not not an easy feat to achieve in the Premier League. So big respect to the players and the coach and staff. And as I said on Twitter yesterday, just a heads up to the to, to the players and the fan base really. We don't want to be too despondent. We want to go into the final few games with confidence because we know that the team can do it. So mm. yeah, I'm I'm fairly positive still with uh, with, with with four games to go. Yeah, we can do it. That Wolves game is is absolutely huge. I think you'll see a reaction from both sides. I was speaking to a Wolves fan um, before the weekend and he was sort of saying, you know, I hope you get a result at Man United because then you become some Molyneux sort of, you know, not complacent, but you'd still be on that momentum. But because we've lost at Man United, you'd expect there to be some sort of reaction. And, you know, because it's such a big game, we have to go there and win. But then on the other hand, you'd expect there'd be a reaction um, from Wolves as well, getting battered 6-0 at Brighton not acceptable, not acceptable at all. And they have had a very, very decent home record under Lopetegui as well. Yes, they've got slight lack of goals. I don't really see where the goals are going to come from. That might come back to bite me on the arse. I think Diego Costa scored his first goal in a very, very long time the other week. But I don't know. It's, it's going to be a hard game. We've got a pretty, I know you don't like me talking about records, whatever, but we've got a pretty stinking record whenever we've gone to Molyneux. It's been been pretty crap, but huge game. Go into it with confidence still. Why not? But it's 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 going to be tough next week, isn't it? But you thrive on it. You don't fear anyone. Bring it on. No, exactly. You've got to play these games. And I think when you say we've got a stinking record, you you're right. In recent times, we've had a stinking record, but it's because we've had poor teams. Though I mean, I remember before that when we've been there and we've you know won uh, consistently under Marcel O'Neill and we won under Gerard Houllier in his first Premier League game, and we won under Alex McLeish from Robbie Keane, belted those uh, two goals in. Yeah. So I mean, like that wasn't that long ago. I mean, we've just been, we, but we've we've had poor teams though since then. If we've been realistic, yeah. we've had really poor teams, and so and Wolves, I remember, have been on that upward sort of curve for a, a good number of years, and they've been challenging for European places themselves over the last, you know, maybe not in the last twelve months or so or eighteen months, but previous to that, they were challenging themselves for European football, and so they've been better than us, haven't they, up until now? Yeah. So we we might have had a 
poor recent record against them but things might be changing and so let's hope we can we can put that record to bed next week and get a result yeah let's hope so I think I'm probably talking from a personal point of view because I think my first game there was the second year in the championship when we lost 2-0 I think it was half five on a Saturday or something like that and ever yeah. since I've been I think we've lost every single game Trezeguet scoring late on Watkins scoring a penalty in the next game just from a personal point of view I've never enjoyed going mm. going there at all but hopefully we can change that on Saturday that's the end of the podcast then thank you so much to Simon for joining me thank you to you guys for listening as well please do subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening on so you never miss an episode go and subscribe to Villa on Tour on YouTube as well go and check out the Man United video and keep an eye out for the Wolves video at the weekend always enjoy going to Wolves it's always a good day before the game so do check out YouTube for that thank you very much for listening have a good week and up the Villa we